eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho. I'm Lauren Tomes. I'm glad that you were hanging out today. Today is great. We get to have an incredible conversation with one of the most knowledgeable men when it comes to anything having to do with geek culture. The king of the geeks, Elliot Serrano, is here. He is here with me in studio. And we are going to talk Avengers Endgame. So, we are all about the spoilers. So if if you're someone who hasn't seen it yet, we are going to spoil the bleep out of this thing. But if you've already seen it, we're going to have a conversation about the movie and the franchise and what happens next for Marvel. And I think that you're going to enjoy it. This is me and the king of the geeks, Elliot Serrano. I want to get your thoughts on Endgame. I'll just start off by saying... This is going to be spoilers, folks. This is totally spoiler-filled. <laughs> we are going to spoiler-fill this podcast. So turn away right now. Like, wait until you go see it. But if you've seen it, this podcast is for you. I found myself extremely satiated as a Marvel fan with this. I don't think it's the best Marvel movie but it was certainly the most satisfying and i i truly enjoyed it the emotional roller coaster that they put us on in infinity war i thought was harsh and I, and i mean mm-hmm. that in a good way that you walk out kind of contemplating everything i thought this was a real celebration of the last 11 years of movies and i really liked the way that it played out i love to know did you see it did you do the critics viewing and then see it with people or did you just see it with people i I went to the the press screening uh the chicago press screening which was still really full you know there were a lot of people there a lot of press there Uh, roper was there dean richards was there it was like wow this is the big one so it was kind of cool being there um it is a little different though when you watch these movies with press as opposed to with a standard audience because every you know you'll have a couple real fanboys and fangirls in the press screenings. Um, I was sitting with a couple of them, uh, but everyone else is very straight laced, and uh, you don't hear that much cheering or what. No. Although when Captain America um, is holding Yolnir, that everyone went whoa! So there were even those moments among the jaded press. Um, but 
to to echo what you're saying, a very satisfying ending. I kind of knew what was going to happen. Not no knew knew. I kind of I kind of assumed. You know that Chris Evans says he's done being Cap. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. had been saying for how long now he's ready to kind of like leave the party before they kick him out. And um, I expected him to die in Infinity War. Uh, that, that that scene when um, Thanos just you know boom, just, nails him and he goes he goes um, I admire you I hope your people remember you I thought oh he's dead he's done and then when he you know he he does the whole Tony Stark pull the thing out heal himself bit I'm like oh I guess not <laughs> so um, so seeing him finally you know kind of like call it call it a call it a character call it a career in Endgame in the way that it occurred. Um, was really hit me. It hit me emotionally. Um, it's kind of like when you see someone you love. I'm not saying I love Tony Stark, but you know, it made me think of people I've lost. Who you know, you know, they've d- dedicated their lives to doing things, and then you want to tell them, okay, you know what, you've done your thing. You can rest now. When Pepper says that to Tony, I was like, oh, I was like really hit. And then, of course, parallel to that, Cap who um, gets his kind of his um, his just reward um, where I, I had said what would happen. Um, I had predicted what would happen was Cap would end up getting the glove and snapping his fingers and fixing everything. Then he would get to retire to the farm with Peggy. And that's essentially what happened. What happened. Yeah. Um, so I was – Mind you, there are certain plot points that even as I was watching the movie where it started to confuse me and I was going, wait a minute, how can that be? If this, if A is happening, how can B happening? How did we get to C? But you're, again, you're on the roller coaster. It's hitting you in the feels so much. You're like, I don't care. You know, I just want to see what happens to these characters. And I'll always say, if you give me characters I care about, that I can root for them or I can care about what happens to them, I am not going to give you such a hard time on on plot because, you know, you can have a great plot, but if I have characters, if they're characters I don't care about, then it doesn't really matter. I, I ended up last night from Monday when we were recording this, so Sunday night before Game of Thrones, I was just flipping around and Ultron was on. And there was so much Ultron in Endgame. I was like, oh, yeah, there's that. And, you know, and Mel didn't, hasn't watched all of them. She's like, so wait, so what's going on here? And I said, well, notice that the all of the, the protective shield that Iron Man wants to put around the Earth, it comes from this, that all of the, the, iron, the iron Army is wearing the same outfit that the Avengers are wearing in Endgame. And she's like, oh, okay, so there's a lot of cool stuff in here. I was like, actually, yeah, like there's a lot in all. Uh, that was the one movie where I wasn't kind of expecting them to pull stuff from. Right, right. But but when you look at it, like they pulled a lot of stuff. I I had a really wonderful time like watching the movie. And we went to, to Chatham, which has kind of become our home base for we, – we go between Chatham on the south side of Chicago to Block 37, which is downtown Chicago, and it's a different experience where you go. I – I'm a Cap stan, okay? So I'm I am all about Captain America and him there with Thor's hammer with the cracked shield saying if it's just going to be me versus this whole army, so be it. I'll do it. I'll fight everyone here. And then to hear Sam. <laughs> oh yeah. 
Hey, like cap. on the comms. Yep. Like that was just. And then you know, as I'm watching it in in a room full of black people, to see Wakanda just pop on the screen, mm-hmm. it was extremely emotional. And there were lots of young people there. So seeing Shuri, Shuri come back, yes, pop up like the place went absolutely <laughs> bananas. Like that scene, like really got to me. I, I thought it was it was great and poignant that the first voice that he hears is Sam's, and that. Cap, we got you. Like, help is on the way in the biggest way possible. We're all coming through. And then Doctor Strange opens up everything and everyone's in there flying. The other scene to me that I thought was great was Captain Marvel coming to get the gauntlet from Peter Parker. That was a great, yeah, little pass off. It's funny because um, <laughs> later on, well, if you knew leading up, Tom Holland didn't really know what was going on in 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 during his filming of of Endgame because apparently he's can't be trusted with spoilers. Good. So I guess during that whole scene, he was he he wasn't told who he'd be fighting or what was happening or who he was talking to. He was given very general directions on things. That's awesome. So, so when he's looking up at Captain Marvel and going, "Hey, I'm Peter Parker," <laughs> and he's like. What's going on here? That is genuine confusion on that guy's face. It's genuine confusion. That's wonderful. <laughs> That's so wonderful. Like, so, and then to have Kerr get the gauntlet and him be like, well, how how is she going to get through that? And then all the women pop up. I thought that was wonderful. It was a wonderful movie, I thought, for representation. Yeah, although think about it, though. Why doesn't Captain, America, uh, Captain Marvel put on the gauntlet and snap her fingers? It's a great question. Because she's the most powerful Avenger. Her, one of her powers is actually based in one of the, the Infinity stones. stones. So to me, I kept waiting for her to just put it on and go, okay, I'm here. It's done. Because everyone kept expecting her to take out Thanos anyway. And they were saying, well, her powers are based on that. So so I, that, that was one of those bits where I'm like, uh, okay, well, I guess they're going for something different here. You know, just like, again, with um, – the Game of Thrones writers, they were expecting you to zig. They know, okay, you know we're going this way. We're going that way instead. Same with Cap, you know, with the different elements they were throwing together for um, Endgame. Let's, uh, okay, we expect Captain Marvel to be the one who takes Thanos down. Well, well, actually, though, in the very beginning, like in the first 20 minutes of Endgame, when they decide to go after Captain Marvel... I mean, after after Thanos, you know, the, the remaining Avengers decide to go after him. I remember going, wow, they're not wasting any time. They're no. going straight into this, right? And you've seen the you'll you'll have seen the, the the bit in the trailers where they're all going in outer space. And you're like, okay, well, wow. So, so it's going to be two hours of exposition yeah, like, <laughs> after they, this. Holy crap! They killed Thanos in the first twenty minutes of the movie. What? All right, well, where do we go from here? And then, boom, you know, uh, I thought that was very clever on their part um, to to set up expectations, kind of meet them, and then push them aside and do other things. Um, the uh, expl- then, then, of course, when Tony is the one who gets a hold of the gauntlet and snaps his fingers and dusts Thanos and his army, in my head, I'm going, wait a minute. This is Thanos 2014. If Thanos 2014 is dead, because they just wanted to get the Infinity Stones to stop him from 
ever dusting anyone, then how does Thanos ultimately do the things that they have to undo? Because, right. you know, so to me, there was kind of like a, I was, there were moments when I was coming down from the emotional part of it and my logic brain would kick in and go, wait a minute, hold on, wait, why did that happen if this happened and da, da, da. And then I just had to remind myself that all the time travel movies that we've seen have been lying to us. Which so. which is <laughs> one of the, the great points that they make in the movie. And I, I, I laughed very hard. Uh, about that, and as you're trying to like figure it out, and then it's like, you know what? I'm not going to worry about figuring worry about it out. It. I'm just going to enjoy this. I mean, think about it. The, the the I was going to myself. Why is a sudden change in tone, uh, you know, happening? And then I was like, no. The the Russos were essentially following the same formula that they did in Infinity War. When the char- a particular character is the focus, this becomes their movie, and it has the tone of one of their movies. So the first 20 minutes were essentially a Captain Marvel movie. And then when Scott Lang, when, you know, Ant-Man becomes a focus, it becomes an Ant-Man movie. And that's when all it gets much lighter and the humor comes up. And then they have a quote unquote time heist. Right. And then it becomes a Thor movie. You know, the uh, Taika Waititi version of a Thor movie. And the the shifting tone, I'm going to be very interested to see how the – viewing feels when you sit down and you watch Infinity War and Endgame back to back together like will there be because I remember going to myself wow the tone in Infinity War seems I mean Endgame seems really different from Infinity War but when you get to the very very end and the big battle that bookends the whole thing I'm like oh no they just kept the Russos just kept making a different kind of movie within the movie for each character until they got to the end I have found that for me, after this 22 movie experiment, my favorite actor is Chris Hemsworth in this group. I have adored the way that that the Thor character has evolved. And it didn't dawn on me until probably a few hours afterwards that Thor lost the most. He lost everything. He lost his dad, his mom. Asgard, uh, Heimdall, Heimdall, Heimdall yeah. lost, lost Loki. It, it, like he lost everything, lost his hammer, mm-hmm. lost his confidence. The whole nine yards he lost, and seeing him embody Jeff Daniels as Big Lebowski, <laughs> yep. was just as someone who also loves the Big Lebowski. It was delicious to to see him really. And there wasn't some great, like, oh, well, now Thor's Thor again, and he's back in shape. No. Mm-hmm. No, Thor's just kind of going through this, and he's going through this. This, I thought that he embodied the, the real tragedy of it all better than any other character that he was just grieving. Like, the whole movie was him grieving and then trying to avenge everything. And I, I thought that Hemsworth in this 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 group of movies was fantastic. And I, I really gained an appreciation for him as an actor and the way that he played Thor. I mean, he blames himself. It's the whole thing. I, you should have gone for the head. If he takes out Thanos, if he deta- decapitates him in Infinity War, 
they win. It's over. But he didn't. And, and of course, things continue. And then he's got to live with that. You know, and I, I was like, I was impressed. Yeah. I was afraid that they were going to hit the reset button and make it act like, yeah, well, yeah, it happened. We're just going to move on from there. And they didn't do that. Yeah, they stayed in that grief mm-hmm. for, for a long time. Whether it's, it's Scarlett Johansson, like, dealing with the grief the way that she could. I mean, everyone dealt with it in a different way. Like, Cap totally dealt with it in a Cap way. Like, I'm going to go to the support group, and I'm going to try and help people, and I'm going to do that. But everyone else dealt with it in a very different way, where Tony's like, I'm just going to unplug. I'm going to go live in a cabin. Me and Pepper are going to have a baby, and we're going to do that. And we're going to do that thing. I thought that that the way that Thor stayed in his grief was was a real homage to Infinity War and Ragnarok, honestly, and that we were we know why he feels this way. Right. Like we we are there with him on that that journey that he's on. And to feel like to use a sports metaphor, you cost the team the game. Right. Yes. You had the shot. Yep. And you cost the team the game. Yeah. Although two things. Let, let me I, I, let me ask you this because this is something that's been going out on social media. One, that the f- Fat Thor, as they're saying, became the butt of jokes that shouldn't have been made. I mean, there was like, how could you? You're basically making fun of fat people. Now, myself, as somewhat overweight guy myself, I didn't see it that way, but fine. Um, and then, but then with that too, could you have done what they did with Thor in the movies in the comic books? Because I think they're able to do things with these characters in the films that there's no way they would have gotten away with it in the comic books. That you couldn't have a an out of shape Thor in the comics, or or that that's Thor, interesting. That Thor would be kind of jokey, jokey, like a you know not quite Deadpool, but Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy in the comics because. Thor is so straight-laced very in the serious. comic books. Very serious, very straight-laced. If anything, they they run the they always run the danger of making him too serious, too grim dark. I mean, they did the whole unworthy Thor run for him. There was a time when he hadn't didn't have Yolnir anymore. Jane Foster had Yolnir, and he had an axe, like in the movie. And he had the same haircut as in the movie. So but he never got overweight. He never brooded to the point where he was like, you know, an alcoholic in, insulting gamers <laughs> over the over, I, the, I over their headphones. I love that too. <laughs> I lo- I love that that you had the, the the throwbacks to Ragnarok in there, and they're all just like hanging out at his house. And I was so happy because that was the one thing in in Infinity War where I was like, "Where's Valkyrie?" You know what I mean? Right. Like like you and there she is and. And she's there, and it was almost like the um, to go back to Game of Thrones. It was almost like the knighting of Brienne of Tarth, where when he says, "No, this this we have a king. You're the king. I'm gonna go do stuff. Right? I'm gonna be my thing. I gotta go search and find my soul and and all mm-hmm. sorts of other stuff. And I'm glad that you brought up because I was trying to explain to 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 Mel about how in the books there's Thor, there's another Thor, and. Thor's got the hammer, and then out Thor Thor doesn't have the hammer anymore. And but there's Odin's son. Now it's Odin's son. Well, but mind you, he's Thor again. And Thor Odin's son. Thor Odin's son. And then Jane Foster now, I guess, is is going to become a Valkyrie now. So uh, it's, you know, uh, <laughs> people go, 
you know, these movies make so much money. It would be great if people would read the comic books. I'm like, you can't get into the comic books these days. They're too freaking complicated. They've done so much stuff with it where, it, you know, if I tried to give you a book, here, read this, you'd be like, I, I, I don't understand it. Even trade paperbacks, unless you've been uh, – you're familiar with all the history of these characters, um, it's just difficult to get people into it, which is why I think the movies just work so well. I mean, they, they don't demand that much. And they keep the histories fairly simple. I enjoyed the hat tips to to the comics. The the Hail Hydra thing, I was dying. Like I was in I was in the theater laughing by myself on that one be, because of all the Secret Wars Secret stuff. Secret Wars stuff. And, and, well, oh, speaking of Secret Wars, did you see the Secret Wars homage in the film when the Avengers compound gets hit and the Hulk is under all that. Um, rubble, and he's got Rocket and um, Rhodey with him, and he's holding it up. That was the cover of Secret Wars number eight. That's right. With um, the Hulk keeping up, uh, you know, trying to protect the Avengers from getting crushed under a mountain. In the comic book, it was under a mountain. And in the movie, I'm like, going, oh, they did the Secret Wars cover. That bit with um, Cap holding uh, Yolnir and the shield, that was, um, that was JLA Avengers number four. That's the cover where it's Superman holding. Um, Thor's hammer and Cap's shield, which kind of annoyed me. I'm a big Superman fan, but I think Cap and Thor are more than just their weapons or their 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 branding, so to speak. Um, but it was like, what's going? Oh, look, they they it's the cover from JLA Avengers number four. The Russos were really clever in putting pulling up all this imagery from the comics and putting it up there. That you had to really, you know, you had to grab it when you saw it. What was your favorite thing about it? Oh, man, there were so many things, but. Uh, yeah, Cap, on your left. That's a that, great moment. That was a great moment. It was like, because I was there going, I have no idea how this is going to end. It, another thing, too, is, and yes, um, that re, at the very, very end, when Tony Stark is saying goodbye to his daughter, but it's a hologram uh, a recording he's done, it made it, it made it, it, it was weird, but it kind of made it a bittersweet ending. Like, yes, he died, but it wasn't like a, Oh, that was that that was terrible kind of thing. It was like, and if anyone knows comic books, no one stays dead forever. It's so, true. So if they wanted to, you know, Tony I kept could come thinking. Back. I was I was I was joking about this last night. I kept thinking that in the Captain Marvel movie, they had kind of set up Ironheart, and then I was like, well, wait a minute, like she'd be thirty four in two thousand nineteen, right. and I'm like, is that what they're doing? And I also love that. That Pepper wore her suit. The rescue suit. That we got that, to see the rescue right. suit in action. Yeah, but that that Tony says, uh, she never wears what I get her anyway, and boom, she did. It, that, that, I think that was so instrumental to making that that whole story arc conclude in a satisfying way. It was like Pepper saying, she could have played the whole, how dare you, why did you do this, you know, how could you do put our family in this danger? And to her it was No. This was his job. He wanted to protect us. He did this for us. I'm not going to give him a hard time. That's, again, why when she says, look at me, look at me, you know, you, you like he she doesn't want him passing on carrying any sort of guilt, you know, and that just wow. You know, again, when you think about the the emotional notes that this movie hits with you, um, it. You know, it just that's what, as you say, makes it a, a very satisfying ending. The Iron Man Spider Man hug. Oh, that one too. Oh, yeah. Hey, Mr. Stark. Uh, I'm very. Uh, 
they told me I was I was dusted, but I'm, it's five years later, and oh, this is nice. By <laughs> 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 the way, the, when I, when I'm, I'm glad we're going to get um, far from home soon because. I'm guessing that his buddy from high school was also dusted. Yeah, that, I think that's why they had the reaction. The big that reunion. They, yeah. Like, oh, look, we're together finally. Because uh, I would say he's missed all of high school. Yep. He's like behind the whole. Way behind. Five years. The whole know? thing. And They're going to keep it either. Or that'll be their excuse to accelerate him into college. Which would be a good idea. Because they, they always, that was always the thing that got me about the Spider-Man movies is that they you never got to see him in college very much. I mean, high school very much. Like in the comic books. They just rushed him into college. Because I guess it wasn't, it wasn't plausible that a high schooler would have adventures. I, they've been handling Spider-Man really well, if you ask me. I have know some folks who have kind of an issue with that. I have a friend of mine online who doesn't, doesn't care for the idea of Tony Stark being Peter's mentor. Hmm. Which in the MCU makes sense, but and then if you really think about it, if you if you don't want Peter to have any sort of mentor, then you got to get rid of Mister Fantastic, who was Peter's mentor in the comic books. Mister Fantastic being a member of the Fantastic Four, they don't are, exist in the MCU. They don't yet. yet. But now that they own them, I have a feeling they're going to be they're going to be in kind of soon. They really, and I'll tell you right now, my thing now with Endgame and this ending and and Cap calling it calling it quits. And Tony, you know, passing on, it's going to be pretty tough for me to get back on the train. I was thinking about that too. That was this the was this the hey for for you guys that started with us in two thousand and eight. Here's your opportunity to to get off the ride. Get off the ride. We gave you we gave you the twenty two movies. You can get off the ride now. And and I I I was wondering like, is the next generation of Marvel movies even for us? And, and I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll have to see. I'll tell you this much. The movie that I loved the most over the last year outside of Endgame was uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. That was a masterpiece. I want to say Into the Spider-Verse because I, I didn't see it when it, I had to wait till for it to come out on video to finally see it. And I was like, man, this movie's so hyped up. I don't think it can possibly live up to the hype. Oh, it lived up to the hype. I was mm-hmm. like, Wow. I'm like, why can't they get more of these folks who do the animated stuff to kind of like oversee the story of the live action stuff? Because it seems they really, really get it. You know, you look at Warner Brothers, their Justice League and Titan cartoons and animated features are spot on. I actually even like their television shows. But the the live action, I'm not crazy about the Titan show, but eh, that's everyone teach their own. But um, to me... It seems like they seem to just get the characters and the animated side, the for Warner Brothers at least, as opposed to the live action side. The the uh, Marvel folks, they have to. You talk about will these next you know round of films not even be for us? You're you're gonna have a lot of folks who're gonna say the first round of films weren't for us. You know they really had to kind of jettison a lot of the stuff from the comic books that remember. There are a lot of fanboys back back then who were mad about things that they were doing in the movies. Agreed. That you they know? wanted it to just be the comic book on screen. Right. Instead of taking inspiration from that and creating an entire universe around it. Right. And, and, and it's like you have to make these movies to appeal to as wide a base as possible. And you got to give them credit. They did it. I mean, they really did it. When you When you consider it all started with two Iron Man movies – 
a Hulk in a Thor movie? Did, 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 um, oh, that's right. And then um, the, the first Captain America movie before you get the first Avengers film. And, and that's it. And they set up, and then boom, it was like a slingshot after that. And it just kept gaining momentum. I'm curious if the Marvel model is going to continue with two movies a year. Because um, I think, you think Luke, they might pull back. I would think it'd probably be better for them to do that. Because look at what happened with Lucasfilm and Star Wars. You know, they're learning they can't, people aren't going to see that many Star Wars movies back to back to back. Um, now, will the Marvel movies continue that way? Are you going to want to see a Doctor Strange movie and then an Ant-Man movie and then a Captain Marvel movie and then a Black Widow movie and then, you know, okay, people will see it. But the first thing you're going to hear when that movie doesn't make $500 million is what? Marvel comes up with its first flop. Stuff like that. Which is kind of ridiculous. But, you know, that's the nature of the beast. I thank you so much for being here and having the chance to geek out about this. You know, ever since the House of Hell podcast started, I was like, when do I get a shot? <laughs> I was like, it's not like you don't know where I am. Yeah, but here's the thing. This is Loho Daily, though. This wow. is going to be on the Loho Daily podcast, Ooh. sir. Yeah. So wow. this one, this is so going to be. I got called up. Yeah, you're on the Radio.com podcast. Elliotserrano.com. No, <laughs> <laughs> no tell, let people know where they can find you. At, uh, at Elliot Serrano on Twitter and Instagram. But yeah. And then um, you can find about me. Slash Elliot Serrano. You'll find me out. I'm out there. Just Google me. Elliot Serrano. Two L's, two T's, two R's. Uh, Chicago's king of geeks, as christened by the man, the myth, the legend, Lawrence Holmes. There will be a House of L episode, but it's going to be much more wide-ranging than this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm kind of like, wow. Yeah. Wow. This is for the people. I'm going to get this out to them, and they're gonna, they can choose their own adventure. They can choose if they would like a spoiler-filled discussion about Avengers Endgame. They now have it and can play it at their leisure. Well, there we go. Well, again, though, I'm, I'm, I'm always an honor. Always an honor. Always a pleasure. You know all you got to do is call me. You got that pager? Yes, just like Captain pager. Marvel. Like Captain Marvel. Just boop. I'll be there. We're both from the 90s. <laughs> That is Elliot Serrano. We thank you so much for listening to Loho Daily. And if you want to find Elliot, just look around. He's got two L's, two T's, two R's in his name. It's pretty easy. I'm right behind you. I'm right behind you. (laughs) 